welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you're new here, welcome. My name's Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kinda Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Y'all, I don't mean to start this out on a dramatic, sad, bad note, but remember last episode when I was telling you all about my car issues and all of that? Well, finally, after almost uh, you know, two months, I got my car back. And then literally on Friday, just, you know, a few days ago, I was driving home from work. I was in classic South Florida standstill traffic. So I was literally completely stopped and had been stopped for quite a few seconds when a literal, uh, like white van, you know, like the work kind rammed into the back of me. No, I'm not joking. Like that, that actually happened literally less than two weeks after I had got my car back. Um, by some miracle, there was no damage to my car really that I could see. But I was surprised the guys even pulled over. I thought they were just going to try to act like it didn't happen, but they did pull over. But then they were so mean to me and like would not give me their name, would not give me their insurance information, were making me feel so guilty about calling the cops. And honestly, I was so traumatized by it all that I was just like, you know what? I can't, I don't even want to deal with this. I honestly would rather just go to happy hour. So we're just going to drive home and pretend that didn't happen. Uh, But yeah, like what are the fucking chances? literally like that quickly after getting my car back and mind you I mean knock on wood like I I haven't gotten in a car accident in a very very long time and the last one I was in was very very minor like I bumped into the back of someone um a similar thing like where they didn't have damage but I'm just like why does this keep happening I need y'all to put the good juju out there for me okay please on a happier note, and at which point I hope my luck is turning around, I somehow convinced my parents and my sister to go see the Jonas Brothers with me in Vegas. They were down for the Vegas part of the trip. They were not down for the Jonas Brothers part of the trip. But I'm like, guys, it's President's Day weekend. We already have the day off. We didn't get to go to Vegas over a Christmas time like we were supposed to. So the date was getting so close that I was like, there's no way this is going to happen. But by miracles of miracles, we are going, you know, again, knock on wood with how my luck's been going lately. I secured the Jonas Brothers tickets. They're not in a great spot, you know, um, but you will catch me singing Burning Up. Oh my gosh. I hope they play cool. I hope they play I Believe. I think I've heard they do the year 3000, or at least they did at their last residency. I mean, just I'm going to be out there hyped up. Love Bug. Oh, my God. I luckily got to see Love Bug performed by Nick and Joe Jonas because I was at a music festival where Nick performed solo and DNC was performing. So Joe Jonas came on and did Love Bug with him. Oh, my! I was literally so close to the front. It was amazing. Oh, one of my best favorite concert moments of all time. But I never saw the Jonas Brothers back in the day. And I was a fan. Like when I was in college, oh my gosh, one of my favorite number one pregame songs was Burn It Up. I used to sing that drunk in the streets of New Hampshire whenever I had the chance. But yeah, it was a hard sell to get my dad to go, but he came around. And I think he's going to have a great time. He's not going to admit he has a great time, but I feel like he will. Speaking of my parents, I love hanging out with my parents. It is the best time. They party harder than I could ever even try to party. And there's two downfalls to this. And I shouldn't say it's really a downfall, but I'd say the first problem is that because I do have such a great time with my parents and it's, you know, easier to coordinate with them because I speak to them all the time, I realize I spend so much time going on trips and like 
or just my parents visiting me, me visiting them because they live like two hours north of me. I obviously live with one of my little sisters. So I spend a lot of time with my family. So for any of my friends out there who want to plan a trip with me, just know that I am down um, and, you know, save me from going on these trips with my parents, which I'm not saying I don't want to hang out with them. I love hanging out with them. I say this because I swear the worst hangovers of my life are when I'm with my parents. They were in town just this past weekend and we just went to a nice little happy hour. And then this fancy French restaurant on Palm Beach Island, it's called La Galou, uh, yeah, very French. And I proceeded to have like five too many porn star martinis. They call them the C'est la vie there. You know, it's it's giving Emily in Paris, honestly, the whole restaurant. But it it was pretty delicious from what I can remember. Um, but the next day I felt more ill than I think the last time I felt this ill was after my holiday party back in December, which I'm now saying it and realizing that that wasn't that long ago. But it was brutal. Uh, my whole family went out with me on Sunday. I could not leave my bed. I Uber eats all of my meals. I was violently throwing up like the whole shebang. It's the whole spectacle when I'm that level of hungover. And I know, I know that's so stupid. It's literally that mean that's like, well, if it isn't the consequences of my own actions, I realize this. With that being said, I'm hoping to keep it together when we go to Vegas, which again is next weekend. So I will report back, honestly, on my next episode. Ooh, and in the meantime, if you have any must, must go to restaurants in Vegas, please let me know. I know there's so many restaurants there and I am wasting one of our dinner times on dragging my family to Venda Prump à Paris because you know I had to do that to them. Like I had to go there. But honestly, there's few things that get me more excited than the thought of going to see the Jonas Brothers and getting to go to a Lisa Vanderpump restaurant. I mean, like that is a perfect weekend for me. The other good part of my parents being here this past weekend was I did some very fun vintage shopping. Again, if you come visit me here, if you want that to be one of your friend trips this year, I'm going to take you to all the good spots. There is nothing I love more than the thrill of a hunt, the thrill of the buy of a vintage shop. I saw this meme on one of my favorite astrology meme accounts, and it was talking about Capricorns and literally how like nothing makes them happier than the simultaneous like goodness for the earth that is vintage shopping but like the thrill of the buy and I'm not saying I'm this super ethical person and I never buy fast fashion but I'm telling you the combined nature of those two elements really makes my Capricorn heart feel elite in a way that I just can't get from anything else like I got a new with tag Zimmerman dress it's so it's very prim very palm beach but it's adorable my sister we were at lunch she was talking about how she really wanted this farm rio crop top that's shaped like a monsera leaf no joke we go to a thrift store after lunch and they have one of those tops there in her size for a good deal because obviously it was secondhand i mean what you can't tell me that's not the most incredible thing you've ever heard Okay, I apologize. I've been rambling about my own life a lot. My one last update in my personal life is that this week and two days, I am taking the test to become a real estate agent. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Mauricio from Real Housewives just recently opened up one of the agency outposts here in Palm Beach County. So 
I don't know. Maybe that's meant to be. Uh, I will say I am probably going to fail the first time I take this test because I just have not dedicated enough time for studying. As a lawyer in Florida, you get to bypass the course that you have to take before taking the test. So all of the hours that like, you know, when people learn the stuff that the test is on. Um, yeah, I got to bypass that, but I don't do any property law. I I know no, I remember nothing of property law from law school. And obviously other stuff that's on the test is stuff that I've never even learned before, but I'm just not prepared. So I probably am going to fail this time. I'm telling myself that's okay because it's only $36 to take the test and it's just online and you can sign up like 24 hours later. But hopefully me failing will be the kick in the butt I need to actually pass this test. And maybe by some miracle I will pass. So maybe next time I give an episode, I will be a, you know, licensed real estate agent. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I'm not making any promises. In the pop culture world, since we last spoke, the Grammys happened this past weekend. We had Beyonce becoming the most decorated Grammy Award winner ever, but obviously a lot of people were upset that she did not win for Album of the Year, which actually went to Harry Styles for Harry's House. And a lot of that is because she has never won Album of the Year. That's been one of the categories that's always eluded her. And it was sort of highlighted because Lizzo became the first black woman to win Record of the Year since Whitney Houston won it back in 1994. There was also drama because people were calling Harry Styles' performance lethargic. But I have seen on TikTok, I feel like some of the news outlets have picked up on this now, but I saw a couple dancers saying that part of the reason that that performance maybe didn't look exactly how it was supposed to is because the spinning disc that Harry was on started turning in the opposite direction that they had practiced on multiple, multiple times beforehand. So that threw them all off their game. You know, Harry was getting booed when he got Best Album. People saying Beyonce should have won it. Lizzo uh, posted a TikTok of her being extremely happy for him. And she's obviously also very supportive of Beyonce. And I think we've all learned at this point that all of these awards, there's a certain level of whack to them, right? And they continue to be very often dominated by white people and white voices and white voters. So who knows what the future of all of these are, but I think that Beyonce has a lot of albums left in her and she's going to she's going to get that award one day. But until then, I think she's sleeping pretty happy being the most decorated Grammy winner of all time. And I have to say I love Harry's House. I think it's very deserving of best album of the year and I also obviously am obsessed with Lizzo, so the fact that she got record of the year, I'm also quite thrilled about. Another fun piece of pop culture news that has happened is that Paris Hilton had a baby boy via surrogate with her husband. She told people that she and her husband began the IVF process during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. We knew we wanted to start a family and I was like, this is perfect timing. Usually I'm on a plane 250 days out of the year and let's just get out all of the eggs stocked and ready. And we have tons of them just waiting. So I am wondering if Paris Hilton will be having tons of babies. I could see her having like a whole brood I wish I had a better term for it than that, but I just, she always has so many dogs. I could see her really wanting to use as many eggs as she possibly can and money's not an object. So she can just get as many surrogates as she, her little heart desires. And with that being said, let's get into our first article of the day. Introducing Nico Parker, meet the breakout star of The Last of Us. 
If you haven't seen The Last of Us yet, it's HBO's newest hit show. It's really got a lot of people talking. It stars Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. And in the first episode, we meet Nico Parker's character, which we're about to talk about in this article. I She blew me away. I thought she was incredible in her role. But again, if you haven't heard of the hype surrounding this show, it was actually based on a video game. And I remember being in law school, I think it was like 2014, and Wikipedia about this video game, watching YouTube playthroughs. And I was not a gamer girly at that time. I was a gamer girly when I was in high school. I'm sure I've talked about it on here before, like Crash Bandicoot, Spyro. I was a PlayStation girl through and through. Before that, I was a Sega girl, big Sonic the Hedgehog fan. I mean, I was a gamer girl. I don't know how else to put it, but I kind of fell off. So in law school, I started watching like playthroughs of this game, which is a very weird phenomenon. I know it's one of the most popular things on the internet, but it's something I've never really fully understood where you literally watch someone else play a video game. It makes me vaguely nauseated. Anyway, I was enthralled with this game, like read the whole plot because at the time people were saying it was so groundbreaking because of the story writing and the graphics and just how it all played out. It was so emotional and just grabbed the people who played it. So unfortunately, because I had read all about this video game back then, I completely have kind of spoiled the TV show for myself. Not that I remembered it all. Definitely did not. I can't remember a book, you know, one week later after I've read it, but I remembered enough that I refreshed my memory and I was like, oh yeah, um, that's disappointing. Cause this is like one of those shows that like it knocks you down it knocks you down again, it knocks you down again. And like, you think you're going to get back up, it knocks you down again. Uh, yeah. And I don't know how closely they're following the video game, but we shall see. But Nico is only 18 years old and the article says she's just your typical Gen Z gal. She's obsessed with Phoebe Bridgers. They were a fixture on her Spotify wrapped. She can't wait to finally get a real idea ID. <laughs> she says, not that I have ever had a fake one. And she looks to her astrological chart for guidance. She says that musician Lucy Dacus once told her she has the most interesting big three signs, which now I wonder what all of her big three are. She says, I'm so aware of how young 18 is, but I'm also horrified because I feel like that means you're an adult. Oh, honey, like I'm not even an adult at 34. Don't worry. So she plays Pedro Pascal's character's daughter in the show, and she says that developing a familiar relationship with him came naturally to her. She says it didn't feel like we really needed to do anything aside from talk and spend time with each other, but even then it didn't feel like work. Their friendship has continued even after filming, as she still has catch-up sessions with Pascal over FaceTime every few weeks. He truly is one of my best friends. This always worries me when you see like young girls having friendships with these much older men. And Pedro is literally the internet's darling right now. People are beyond obsessed with him. He just hosted SNL. And from what I've seen, little clips, he looked like he killed it on that. He's just definitely having a moment right now. And I'm not insinuating that he is guilty of doing anything wrong, but he's also very close with Bella Ramsey, who plays his kind of surrogate daughter almost in the show. And maybe I'm why I'm having this line of thought is because Leo DiCaprio has been spotted with this 19-year-old who's allegedly his girlfriend. So people keep making the comparison that the age gap is the same as Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal. And Bella Ramsey looks incredibly young for her age. I think most people would not guess that she's 19. She looks about 12. So it's very jarring when you see a picture of her with Pedro and then thinking that's the age gap between Leo and his current girlfriend. It's just... It's creepy. I, but that's Leo for you. Like, it's nothing new. 
so the character that Nico plays in the show, Sarah, she was originally written as white. And it says casting a biracial black woman in the series roles prompted some racism on internet message boards. She says there's people that are incredibly attached to the game. And with the TV show portrayal of it, they want it to be as accurate as possible. There's another side that just completely does not want any inclusivity at all. I don't really give it too much thought because that's your opinion on it. I'm never going to appeal to you. If it's not just that you really love the game and want an exact replica and it's more so that you don't want to see black people, mixed people, Hispanic people or anything, I don't give those opinions too much value. I mean, perfectly said. I I really love Nico. I'm telling you, she's going to be a star. We're about to talk about how she's a Nepo baby, but I am predicting this girl is going to blow up. I think she has true acting chops and talent and she's just really fun to watch on screen. So her parents are Thandi Newton and Al Parker. So she would grow up very much kind of on set with her family. She remembers being on a horror show <laughs> that her mom was starring in and she had to be dragged off set because she kept laughing during her mom's death scenes. She says, we thought her pretending to die was the funniest thing. The wound was already painted on her head, but we were so little that neither, neither of us understood why. When she was pretending to fall down, we just thought she looked stupid. And then she was on the set of Mamma Mia in Croatia with her dad and apparently she would pay really close attention to the call sheets so she could make sure she was there when Meryl Streep and Colin Firth were on set. And then the interviewer asked, since her dad's kind of famous for directing romantic comedies, if she'd ever want to be in one. And she says, I think I'd like to. That she really loves How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. And she says, rom-coms are just joy in a movie. I can totally see this for her. I think she'd be a perfect little rom-com leading lady. I'm also obsessed with the answers she gave about being a Nepo baby. It's very self-aware. And in contrast to what we've heard a lot of people saying lately who are Nepo babies, I just thought her responses were so beyond her time. And she says like she understands the shortcuts it gave her. She says the creator of The Last of Us literally DM'd her dad the night before she was cast in the show asking for her height. So clearly she knows that's not a normal way of going about things in the industry, right? If you're not a Nepo baby, she says she's well aware of the Nepo baby debate and she sympathized with celebrity children who feel the term might be, quote, minimizing how hard they work to stay inside the industry once they stuck a foot in the door. But she says, I think it's incredibly important to recognize that with your parents being prevalent in the industry, it's way easier to get in the room. It's so important to know how many people would dream of being in that room and how lucky you are to be there, especially when you start. Your parents know people and you've known people since you were small and they want to give you a chance because they like you. That's a reflection of your parents. So again, is this me just wanting to predict that this girl's just going to be a major star and I want all the success for her and I think she just sounds so cool and she's only 18 yes so I want you to be familiar with her too okay let me know if you watch the show <laughs> okay this next article is one I really wanted to talk about last week and I sort of ran out of time so I apologize that this is a little old and you've already heard it but I love this story it says the star of Shakira's breakup is jam by Danielle Cohen. And obviously you guys know we couldn't stop talking about the salad dressing and Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis. So the jam is just a new chapter in a saga of condiments and breakup stories. I mean, I love a condiment. Maybe that's what really gets me in all of these. You know, I love jam on my egg sandwiches. 
So as you've probably heard, Shakira has split from her soccer boyfriend and she had a very pointed song come out where she quote said brain needs a little work, which was apparently about her ex. And it's just been a kind of messy breakup all around. Uh, there is a claim that she has been blasting the song out of her window and she's put a witch statue on the side of her balcony facing her ex's mother's house, which Again, iconic behavior. And there are claims that she found out about her ex's alleged affair when she noticed that her jam supply had started to mysteriously dwindle. So again, I don't know how much truth is in this, but I love to think it's real because it's just too obscure not to be. Honestly, it's too perfect. So apparently Shakira went on a trip. She comes back and she realizes that someone has been eating her strawberry jam. Now, this is very puzzling to her because her ex apparently despises jam and so do their kids, which mm, no taste. So Shakira basically came to the only logical conclusion, which is that while she was overseas, you know, promoting her music, doing her job, someone had been in her house eating her jam and uh, also having sex with her boyfriend. So again, we don't know if this is true, but, you know, he did very shortly after come out as dating a 23-year-old. So make of it what you will. The rumors were also bolstered because of a little snip from a music video that she did for Te Felicito. And there's a scene in the music video where she opens the fridge and it reveals um a severed but alive head of the reggae star who's also in her video. So I I think that's a little stretch that those two things are related. But again, it's still fun to wonder. Speaking of cheating, inside the, quote, horned up office culture at ABC News, it felt like everybody was sleeping around, says one former Good Morning American staffer by Angelina Chopin. Now, we haven't talked about this whole Amy TJ story on here. So to give you a little tiny slice of a background, this story that we're about to talk about is kind of spurred by TJ Holmes and Amy Robach. They were co-anchors on Good Morning America. And a little while ago, about a month or two ago, the Daily Mail out of the couple. Oh, it was in November. I'm sorry. With photos that showed Holmes giving Amy a little, you know, squeeze from behind when they were on a trip in upstate New York. And then Amy was leaving in an Uber and her Uggs, which apparently people were calling her cheating Uggs. And they were both married at the time, but they've since come out and said that they were separated, even though they weren't technically divorced during the time of this office affair. I don't know if they're... uh, husband and wife agree with that stance but that's what they've held on to and said and I think it's pretty safe to say that they were both let go of their show and given a big fat check I say this because uh, they were pulled off the show by the network's president and the president said Although the relationship was not a violation of company policy, it had become a liability for GMA's brand. So ABC News launched an internal investigation into whether TJ's affair with Amy or any of the other staffers, because he was also 
accused of hooking up with other people on set and producers and stuff like that over the course of many years. So ABC was trying to see if the conduct violated the network's morality rules, which basically just like kind of gives them an out um, of their contract if they don't want to pay them, you know, a big fat severance check. But it sounds like they got around it because it says the anchors each filed divorce, lawyered up and began drawn out negotiations with their employer. Two months later, they signed exit agreements, a fact the pair seemed to celebrate by straddling and hugging each other on the street in Los Angeles. So I think they came out on top and they're not having to wake up at the crack of dawn to go talk about who the hell knows what, like how to stuff your Christmas turkey. But as I alluded to, there's been a lot of stories about TJ kind of having a reputation for cheating and getting with a lot of people. And a lot of them were younger producers on the show. This quote killed me. It says, it was very commonplace. This is from a former GMA staffer. It felt like everybody was sleeping around. Staffers work long, irregular shifts, which made it easier for senior level men to have relationships with younger women who had no time to date outside work. Ruth, who left GMA in 2019, but is still an ABC News producer, says that show in particular seemed like it was staffed by a bunch of horned up high school students who learned how to do news in the 80s when people were still doing blow in the bathroom. Honestly, I'm just shocked that there's still people not doing blow in the bathroom. Like, I would think that's still a pretty prevalent thing, you know? But horned up high school students is a great turn of phrase. Also, I swear part of the reason people are so enthralled with stories like this is because of the show, The Morning Show. And this article largely focuses on a woman named Sasha, whose name was changed for the purposes of this article. But back in 2014, she was a 27-year-old digital news associate, and she started an affair with TJ. It says that their affair became a bright spot that carried her through grueling shifts. She started doing her hair and dressing nicely for work. During breaks, she would visit his office where they'd have sex behind a locked door. It didn't seem crazy to her at the time, given what she describes as ABC's rampant culture of sex. Sasha had heard rumors that other colleagues slept together in an edit bay where the window was covered by a poster and that after having affairs with executives, certain women had been promoted. It was a pretty scandalous place, she says, especially on the overnight shift. It says that her relationship with him sort of petered out after less than a year because he left the overnight shift and started transitioning to being on GMA. And he never gave her a heads up about her job, just kind of ghosted her, left her really heartbroken. She felt like a throwaway object. They did speak on the phone and they hooked up once more a few years later. Uh, he reached out again in 2019, but she just wanted a friendship. But he really wasn't in it for that and she said I'm pretty sure you only text me when you need attention and then otherwise I don't really matter and he just said good night so again I think it's important to note that there's nothing really accusatory in this article like obviously they were two consenting adults there is always the issue of an older man in power using that power to make sexual advances on younger women and there is definitely a problem with all these women feeling like their career path was going to be negatively affected if they didn't you know make moves like that it says that the women felt their sex lives factored 
into their career path in the intensely competitive newsroom. ABC News rewarded the people that were either divas or adulterers, the former GMA staffer says. It was very frustrating because there were a lot of people that were doing good work. Julie, a former ABC News staffer, puzzled over why she wasn't advancing within the company despite having the qualifications. I was like, what's wrong with me? She remembers thinking. But given the rumors she'd heard about some people who landed more senior roles, she wondered, if I had slept with someone, would I have been more likely to have gotten one of these jobs? And it really is heartbreaking that these women even had to think that way. And I'm sure in general, ABC was not loving this article. I'm sure their lawyers were like, oh, geez. Because one of the big themes in the article is sort of that ABC didn't seem to handle any of these situations correctly because there were times where the sexual advances were not welcome and it seemed like they just weren't sympathetic to harassment or misconduct that was going on. Because back in 2021, two women accused Michael Korn, he was GMA's former executive producer, of sexually assaulting them during his tenure. One of the women sued Korn and ABC, saying the company elevated him through the ranks while failing to renew her three-year contract after she filed a former complaint in 2021. And unfortunately, her lawsuit was dismissed last year because the statute of limitations had run out, which means she had waited too long to file her claim. There was another story from a girl who's named in this article as Ruth. She says she told HR that an editor called her babe, put his hand on her bare thigh while they worked together in a dark edit bay. She was in her late 20s and a representative told her that the company never took action because she didn't seem that mad, even though she recalls being upset. And she pointed out that, you know, everyone has a different way of dealing with this sort of stuff. Even if I was giggling, you should still look into it. And she thought that ABC's response sent a message that they just didn't really care, that her concerns didn't matter. She stayed at her desk to avoid any further interactions with the editor. And then there's another girl in the article, Alicia, who says when an older colleague hit on her in his office, she didn't even think of telling HR. It never occurred to me that any of this was at all inappropriate. I really did think this is just what happens, right? And I think that's why actually articles like this are important because I think a lot of people read these and go, okay, yeah, what's new? Like, this isn't that egregious. People aren't getting, you know really outwardly assaulted or abused but the fact that this behavior is so accepted and is just allowed to perpetuate and create this culture that people become so embroiled in that they don't know how to escape it that's what's really upsetting about all of this and I thought the end of the article was not very hopeful it was sort of a lackluster platitude it said a current abc staffer says the newsroom has become less scandalous since godwin was hired as the network's president in 2021 kim godwin has gone out of her way to create a sort of zero tolerance policy here says the source who's had a long career at the network there has been cultural change i mean i'll believe it when i see it honestly because i think we're gonna continue to hear about stories of this at least for the rest of my lifetime which i'm hoping will be fairly long but sadly i think there's not going to be a shortage of these kind of stories anytime soon. And not to continue on the theme of women just generally being treated shittily, but I just finished watching Pamela's Pamela Anderson's documentary on Netflix, which I really loved. I have become such a Pamela Anderson fan. I know she was really upset about the Hulu show about her and Tommy the one that starred Sebastian Stan and Lily James, you know, it was fictionalized. 
And I think now realizing that she had no creative say in that and she was upset about it, I feel even really guilty watching it and consuming it. But I will say, I think it portrayed Pamela in such a sympathetic way. And it felt actually very in line with who she is as a person in the documentary. And I find her just so genuine and endearing. And obviously she's been through so much trauma and mistreatment, but just very strong and surprisingly so witty and funny and I think she's just so much smarter than people give her credit for because you know she has the fake tits and she has this kind of high-pitched voice but I find her so like you can't be that funny and be stupid like she's definitely smart and it's like it's a very particular type of funny but I really enjoy her and I just find her so open and genuine and she has that it factor that people chase their whole lives. She just has it. But it is heartbreaking to see the way men in the media treated her over the years, the way the sex tape business was handled, all of the men that she's married over the years. I mean, I just, I admire her spirit because she's still, you know, I feel like there's still just hope and a romantic left in her. And I really admire it as someone who does not feel like I've lived a million lives. She has lived so many lives and she's only, you know, my mom's age and it's just fascinating to watch. So I definitely recommend it. And obviously like any documentary like this, obviously she's telling her side of the story. It was produced by her son. It's giving her side of things, but I found it very genuine in a way that a lot of these documentaries are not. And also, you know, I did meet Brandon that time on the elevator when I went to see The Hills and uh, we sang the theme song with Natasha Bedingfield. So even though I had a very awkward interaction with him, I just think that family holds a soft spot in my heart. That being said, I really wanted to do a blind item on Pamela Anderson. I was starting to think that maybe I'd done one on her again. I have the worst memory. I need to keep a running list of all the ones I've done my little ending blind item on. But again, I just needed to reiterate for you guys to watch her movie. So I wanted to find one on her. Of course, I got it from Crazy Days and Nights. NT is the one who writes these. They are blind items. They are not journalism. Take this with a grain of salt. I also was disgusted, as I often am when I scroll through uh, blinds about women actresses who have been around a while, because he called Pamela an iteration of a whore so many times on his vlogs. As I was going through, it was just, mm, your misogyny is showing, man. And it's fine if Pamela calls herself a whore and a slut, but I don't need you to do it. And this blind item is from June 16th, 2015. It says, One thing that this former A-list, mostly television actress, who is now a part-time reality star with A-plus list name recognition, like, oh my God, dude. Okay, that's Pamela. Let's start over. One thing that Pamela Anderson requires is no recording when she is having sex for money. Well, this past weekend, the guy secretly recorded it and he has been sharing. Apparently, it's some very rough sex. So I don't know who is the man in this, but the fact that this woman just continued to be exploited throughout her life, that's why I believe this is true. This does not shock me because I swear, this is such a common thing where people think if a woman has showed her boobs before or her vagina or she's had sex on film, that they somehow own her and they can do whatever they want with the images of her or whatever part of her that she shares. And that is just not true and it's not the case. And the way people could treat another human being like that 
will never cease to baffle me. So I'm sorry to end it on that kind of like sad blind item, but justice for Pamela, watch her documentary. Let's get her some dollars, hopefully from this because she's never made a dime from her sex tape. She didn't make a dime from the Hulu show. Let's let her live out her not she's still young, but you know, just live out the rest of her life in peace with a little bit of money in her pocket because she deserves it in my mind. We've made it to our legit shit of the week. I've been sharing a lot of items you can buy lately. And I know this is a little cop out because I already talked about it and recommended it. But I wanted my legit shit this week to be The Last of Us if you haven't seen it yet on HBO because I think it's fun to watch a TV show based on a video game. And let me know what you think. Let me know what you think of Nico. Let me think let what you think of Pedro. Let me know what you think of Bella Ramsey. She was apparently on Game of Thrones and everyone was obsessed with her on Game of Thrones. I did not watch Game of Thrones, but I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts. All right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and I will see you on my next episode. Bye. (laughs)